Hello, and welcome to Self-Taught Devs. If this is your first time joining us, this is a podcast where two self-taught developers discuss the learning and growth experience for folks just getting into the industry. My name is Eric Winklespecht. And I'm Matt Ehrlich. Before we start with today's conversation, we want to hear from you. We've got a number of ways for you to reach out and interact with us and interact with the show. Number one, if you are listening on Spotify, which most of you are, there is a Q&A or a question posted on each episode. You can respond to that directly and we'll get notified and we'll address those on a future episode. If you're on LinkedIn, you can reach out to either one of us. Our information is in the show notes below, or you can contact us through the Self-Taught Devs LinkedIn page. And you can always reach out to us through email. We're at selftaughtdevs at gmail.com. Matt, what are we talking about today? So between the two of us, you are the one with a full-time job as a software developer. And I wanted to gauge or get some information on maybe the day in the life or what it's like to be a full-time software developer. So one question that I have is besides, let's say the 40-hour time commitment, right? That's obvious. What are mm -hmm. some other things more specifically, what does it mean to be a full-time developer? Let's just say a lot of our audience, they're working on getting their first job. Maybe they're working on one or two or however many side projects or projects for their portfolio. But things are a lot different when you get your, let's say, first job as a developer. So what does it mean to be a full-time developer? What does it mean to be a full-time developer? You know, I'll speak to my experience, right? As only, that's that's the only thing I can speak to. I've heard a lot of folks when they talk about the job, I've heard a lot of different things, right? So I've seen people say that sometimes their job is a lot of meetings and very little coding. I've seen people say that their jobs are primarily reading code and writing very little code. My experience has not been that so far. I'm in meetings throughout the week. The, the frequency will vary, you know, depending on what's going on, what projects we have to talk about. But typically there's a few standard meetings a week. And most of my time is spent writing code. You know, a good majority, a good portion of my time is spent reading code and just kind of understanding. Right now, most of my time is spent writing because of the projects that I'm involved in. As I was getting up to speed, a lot of time was spent reading, just kind of getting used to a code base. You know, but if your question, your question of like, what does it mean to be a full time developer? My experience kind of getting ready for the job was writing a lot of code and learning by doing. And I think being a full time developer is a lot of the same for me right now. You know, I'm writing a lot of code. I'm learning by doing. I'm working with a bunch of newer technologies that are new to me, technologies and learning on the fly and problem solving on the fly. So I, I feel very active in this role. I don't feel like I'm waiting for stuff to do. I've got a lot of things to do and a lot of, you know, just projects to continue working on or individual problems to solve or features to add or bugs to fix. So, you know, I feel like when you talk about 40 hours a week or whatever it is, that, that time is filled. So let's take a walk through a day for you as a developer. And obviously there are some things that you probably can't talk about for security reasons or such, mm. but more broadly speaking, let's let's walk through your day as a developer. So you you sign on, what time do you start your day, first of all? Uh, thankfully, I, I get a little bit of flexibility with when I start, but typically I'm starting between 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. When I start you know, going into the week, I've already got an idea of what's ahead of me. You know, because when I talk about the regular meetings, when you're on a software development team, 
you know, we'll probably be going by like an agile methodology where like there are sprints, you know, so like there will be a period of like two weeks where you have kind of your workload assigned based on whatever the needs of the business are. And those things are typically assigned to what are called like story cards. Terminology might be different in different places, but it's basically like if you've got an application, a user has a specific need and they request, you know, a new feature to handle that need. And that is assigned a quote unquote story card. You know, you'll have maybe your business analysts who have gone through and worked with the end users to understand requirements. You guys kind of talk about it in, you know, your meetings where you plan out your sprint, your two week session of here's the stuff we're going to try to accomplish in two weeks. And then those things are kind of assigned out and say, these, this is the workload for that two weeks. So, you know, when you start your day or when I start my day, I've already got an idea of like, what are the projects I'm going to try to tackle today or within the week? What my timeline sort of looks like to get that stuff done? What meetings I have on my calendar that, you know, I'll be addressing as well as like addressing PRs from, from other developers on the team. So sign in in the morning handle whatever meetings I have throughout the day, do my development work on the times in between and then sign out, you know, at, at the end of the day. How many meetings are you in roughly uh, every week? We have at least two standard meetings, one on Monday, one on Friday. Call it a stand up and a retrospective, if you will, right? The Monday is kind of like, oh, here's what my week looks like and what I'm expecting. The end, that Friday meeting is like, here's how the week went and any problems I hit that weren't expected or whatever. It's a good chance to just kind of talk as a team and address anything you might need directly right at the time to be like, I'm stuck on something and I need this to, in order to do my work this week. Or, you know, here's an issue that I hit. Those are the standards. There will typically be a meeting midweek when you talk about upcoming sprint planning. You know, it's like, here are things that we have going on that the business needs. Um, let's talk through them. Let's try to understand the challenges that we're going to face. If we need more information, let's think about how long those things might take. You know, you'll have a session to just kind of like generally talk about those things. We'll have another session to actually solidify and say, this is going to be our next sprint. I would say standard for me would probably be four-ish meetings per week that can fluctuate to just based on like ad hoc project requirements and things. So three, four, something like that. Okay. That doesn't, that sounds a lot better than, you know, what I was thinking. You hear stories about like daily meetings or even multiple meetings per day. And that just sounds like chaos to me. So three to four <laughs> per week is actually, it's not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd say it's pretty manageable. Like I've, I come from a background of having lots of meetings, you know, like when I did the management thing, my day was mostly meetings, which is something I really wanted to get away from going into this role because I wanted to go back to being an individual contributor. I wanted to go back to having more hands-on work, you know, not just like conversations about work. Uh, so it's it's very refreshing for me to spend some time in meetings and collaborate with other engineers or talk about things and whatever, and then actually go back to doing doing the work that I have to do. So are there, now that you're full-time, are there any challenges that you face now that are different from the challenges you were facing before when you were trying to get your first developer job? I might ask you to kind of dive down on that question a little bit more because the first thing that comes to my mind is like, well, I'm not doing the the work of finding a job anymore, <laughs> right? That's that's the obvious one. My time is spent doing more development work and learning more stuff, you know, that way. Um, I don't have to split my time trying to do the things that would help me interview, you know, like explicitly doing coding practice or practice problems and things like that, or finding places to apply. 
you know, so I get to just spend that time doing the development work. When I was applying for jobs, I had to kind of split that time out. I would do development work on projects, do, you know, networking, do company research, do practice problem stuff and have to kind of evenly split that time out. But now it's just like, I'm learning on the job, so I don't have to worry about going out of my way to learn individual things that I think will help me. You know, it's kind of like, I know what I need to learn and I work on that stuff. I'll still network. You know, I still reach out and talk to other developers, but it's not nearly as intensive at this point. Yeah. So, you know, now that you're working with a team, right, there's a communication aspect, which you don't have when you're not working as a team, right? You don't have to talk to anybody about making specific decisions because they're all in your head, right? You come up with your decisions. Um, let's talk about deadlines, maybe. Any deadline that you might have had before was probably self-imposed, right? Project deadlines that you might have now are a bit different. So things like that, right? Where you might not have had to deal with it before, but maybe or maybe not, it's a challenge now. Sure. Yeah. I mean, communication is a big one. The majority of work that I have experienced doing is still solo work, right? So I'm still developing things on my own. But when it comes to understanding requirements from a user or from the business, you know, for what they need implemented in an application, or, you know, right now I'm working on a project where I'm developing something completely new, encountering problems that maybe we didn't anticipate when we talked about what this project was going to be in the beginning. Being able to talk about those things and communicate on those things effectively is super important. You know, like if I'm just building a project on my own for my portfolio, like whatever, I can just find a solution that I'm happy with and move on and be okay. But in the real world now, like where we've got a team or other folks who have requirements or have to go back and talk to other parts of the business to know what they are looking to have done on something, you know, you need to be able to very clearly state what your problem is, what things you think might work, um, you know, other information you might need to make a decision, technology, you know, what, what you're working with. There are times where I work with other developers on certain tasks or projects and, you know, we might be coding things separately, but that's still a communication of like, Hey, here's things you need to do your task. I need to have X, Y, and Z from you to do mine. You know, so it is communication is still extremely important, but it doesn't mean you're like coding or you're not pair programming, pair programming with a developer every single day, which is a different thing entirely. Um, deadlines are a weird thing. I'm still trying to get used to not deadlines as a concept, but there's a term called like story points or, you know, just time estimation on a project, you know? So like when you're assigned something or you say like, I'm taking this task, typically you try to figure out how long that thing's gonna take you, you know? And that also helps as a team, you all understand like how much you think you can accomplish during a sprint or doing during a two or whatever week period your, your timeline is. Cause you don't wanna overload yourself or your team with how many tasks we're like kind of promising that we're gonna get done, you know? So when they say like, Oh, we want to implement this feature and you kind of understand the requirements. So it's like, is that going to take me a day? Is that going to take me two days? Is that going to take me three days? Do I know enough to kind of estimate what that timeline is going to be? That part of the job, I'm still getting a handle on. I try to be conservative for the most part, where if like, I think something could take me a day or two days, maybe I'll pad that out by like 50%, you know, to say like, maybe it'll take me three or four days just to be on the safe side. I can always go back and adjust those things down and say like, oh, I finished it faster and now I can take on an additional task because I've got that done so much more quickly than I thought. That's okay. 
what I don't like is for things to like extend out past the current, you know, sprint cycle and go into the next sprint and extend that workload out. So that is a challenge that I still try to wrap my head around. I get getting better at it, but it's it's a slow process. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Is the job what you expected? I'm sure when you were doing your job search or learning, you had an idea of what you thought this job would be like. So is it meeting your expectations? Are there any differences between what you thought it would be like versus what it is? I'm not really sure how to answer that question because like I had thoughts about the job, but it was really influenced by all the different things I was seeing other people say. And I feel like it, depending on where you land, you have a very different experience. You know, I expected based on what I was building as a portfolio project or, you know, when I was doing like my SaaS project to try to get a job, I expected my work to sort of mirror that. That was my intention was like, I'm working on this thing. I'm building a full stack project because this is the kind of work I want to be doing. So I was really like targeting a specific kind of work, you know? So in that respect, yes, like I landed at a place where the work I'm doing now very closely mirrors the way I prepared to do this work. So that worked out for me. I, there are definitely aspects of the job that I didn't expect, you know, like I'm already doing, or started very early on, I'm still doing peer review sessions or, or code review sessions for teammates, you know, so like working on a team, you finish your task and then you push your code up to, you know, the, the, um, the main repository and you submit a pull request like you would do in an open source project, right? Like if you're just submitting a fix for something that, you know, you like a library, you found a bug, you want to submit a fix for it. You submit a pull request to say, like, can you merge this into your actual, your, your main code base? Somebody goes through and they review that code and they approve it if they think it's good or they give feedback if they don't think it's good or it doesn't work or whatever. So like I've been doing that process and I started doing that process pretty quickly into this job, which I did not expect to be doing that. It's a whole different kind of skill set to develop, you know, and it's a whole different way to approach communicating with a teammate about code. Um, so that's that's the one that took me by surprise for sure. When you first start learning, everything is new, right? So you're learning very, very quickly because you just do a Google search, you learn something and everything is completely new to you, right? So comparing the rate of how you were learning before versus now, is there a difference? Are you learning faster since you're on the job now and you know, you, you have to learn new skills, right? Because especially if your team is working with, let's say, I don't know, a tech stack or, or a certain technology that you haven't worked with before, right? You mm -hmm. have to learn certain things. Are you learning faster now or when you were trying to get your first job? Is the question like, is my capability to learn quickly different or is it just the amount of stuff that I'm learning? Is that, was that yeah. the question? Yeah, the amount. The amount of stuff. Honestly, I feel like the amount of stuff either hasn't changed or has increased since starting work, you know, because like, you're right, everything was new, you know, starting in the beginning of the process. And then, I don't know, I never really let myself slow down. I kept trying to push harder and, and move forward, like as much as I possibly could with like building bigger and bigger projects and tackling more complex problems. And that hasn't stopped, you know, since getting the job. I've very quickly had to ramp up with a new code base with different technologies I didn't work with before. So I had to learn those things. 
had to learn other developers style of coding and, and problem solving and reading all that code had to learn how to um, set up some kind of like DevOps stuff too, you know, CICD processes, Docker, I never worked with that before, had to get that up and running for a project, um, might have to do some more of that kind of stuff like Kubernetes and stuff in the future. So uh, it just continues to evolve very quickly, which is honestly, I am very pleased with, you know, this position and, and having, I guess, <laughs> I feel lucky to have that problem of needing to continue to learn more stuff, you know, because I'm I'm jazzed about that. That's kind of kept me going with uh, coding in general was like I liked going into a career path that was going to keep me learning and keep challenging me in that way. You know, so like it's been cool uh, to to have that opportunity and I'm I'm thankful and grateful to have the opportunity to need to keep learning this stuff. So for your role has there been any anything that you've worked on or been tasked to work on that you just really haven't been interested in working on you know when you're when you're learning right you kind of let's say you're making projects or you're building projects a lot of us really just make projects about things that we're interested in right and that's like one of the best ways to really keep yourself going and keep yourself accountable but have you worked on something that let's just say you weren't really too excited about or your interest in it wasn't really that high? Yeah, it's it's an interesting question. And you're right, because like when I was doing just projects during like job prep or learning, it was trying to keep my interest in like the subject matter based on like what project I was doing. But I think even throughout that process, I realized that I'm interested in code and learning code and working with code. So like even in the application process, I was going through kind of a couple different companies and understanding what they do. And like some of them I was interested in their kind of space that they would work within and some I wasn't super interested in. But landing in now the full-time role, I've realized that like it doesn't really matter like what the application is and kind of like what it does and what it's for. I'm just super interested in building and, you know, working with code and solving problems. So that stuff has kept my interest. I mentioned Docker before, you know, and, and the CICD process. That wasn't something that I had thought to pursue before, like at any point in time before this job. And it wasn't something that when I kind of stumbled to having to do it, I wasn't like, awesome, I get to do this now. You know, it was more like, okay, I have to set this up. So I wasn't like super jazzed to do it. But once I got into figuring it out and like working with the technologies, I got really into solving the problems that I was hitting and learning more about it, you know? So it's been weird. Like even when I think I'm not going to be super into something that I tackle, I end up finding joy in the process and finding an interest in it. You know, I think that's going to be my experience with Kubernetes in the future too. Like that's a thing I'm going to end up doing at some point. And currently I'm just like, okay, I'm not super, super interested in the DevOps world, but now I know that when I tackle it, like I'm going to end up finding joy in it and having fun with it. That's interesting because I was actually going to have a follow-up question for that, but it sounds like it doesn't apply. But the question would have been, well, if you're working on something that you're not really interested in, how do you get through that, right? How do you keep yourself motivated and, and on track? Because I know for me personally, if I'm working on something or learning a skill that I like really just don't care about, it is super difficult for me to get through that. Mm -hmm. And I really have to like pull myself in and, and try to focus and really force myself into it. Yeah, um, for me with that stuff right now, it's like, Anything that's going to help me build my skills in this software engineering space is a benefit to me. 
you know? So like, I'm going to take any opportunity that I have to do something new and learn something new, even if at the very surface level, it wasn't something that I would have pursued on my own, you know? But like, that's kind of the point of trying to pursue this career and grow in this career is like, tackle those things that are going to make you feel like an imposter or whatever, or tackle those things that maybe are super intimidating to you and problem solve and work through it and, and build those skills and, you know, try to try to find those ways to continue to build and, and further your career in the future. So after all this time, and especially now that you've been working, do you think you've made the right decision transitioning careers? A hundred percent. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I have been so much happier doing this job and like working with engineers and solving these kinds of problems. There are still challenging days, right? Like it is not it's not like all sunshine and rainbows all the time. It's not like I'm, you know, constantly just frolicking or, or you know, chilling out because it's not a busy day or whatever. Like there are days that are frustrating. There are days that are challenging. There are days that at the end of the day, I'm like, man, I didn't do what I set out to do today and I feel bad about it. But I had those days learning how to code and I had way more of those days in my previous career where I was just not having a good time with my job, you know, but those days are much fewer, they're far fewer and more infrequent in this career. I find myself looking forward to going to my desk and starting my day and doing my work. You know, I find myself sometimes thinking about problems in my time off and being like, oh, here's the thing I could do. And then when I, I'm excited to go tackle that problem again, you know what I mean? So it it was definitely the right choice for me. I feel productive in all the right ways. I feel challenged in the right ways. And I love the fact that I just get to continue to learn stuff. You know, that's that's so exhilarating for me. So is there anything that we didn't cover about your day in the life or your job that you want to talk about? I think we covered a lot. I think I, I, at a high level, you know, kind of already talked about the general workflow of working in a team environment. I want folks to understand, like, when they're working on their personal projects, I think it's a really good idea to develop some kind of workflow that emulates what you would experience on a team. That doesn't mean that you have to, like, fully emulate a team environment, but it means, like, don't have a project and just push all of your commits and, and your changes to main, you know, like have at least a, a main branch and then work on feature branches and then push and merge those into your main branch, you know, like, cause that's at least some amount of an emulation of what you're going to do in the real world. Practice reading a lot of code, read your own commits and, and pushes because you're going to end up needing to do that on your own too, to make sure you didn't make mistakes in the stuff that you did. As far as just like one of the big things now that I am focusing on myself that I also would recommend other folks focus on is like, get really good at Git, which I'm sure you've heard too at some point, Matt, of like people saying like, get good at Git. It's an invaluable tool to use and it's, you know, you're gonna use it all the time. And so getting used to like command line stuff with Git is super beneficial. But yeah, man, I think for, for the folks out there, like learn more about what the space looks like that you're interested in, talk to more developers that are working full-time and get an understanding of what they do day-to-day. -day. Like people are gonna have different experiences. And if you're interested in working for a company, try to talk to those developers and kind of feel out what their day is like. And then if, if you really wanna try to be valuable as a future teammate to them, like emulate those processes in your workflow and you know go for that 
professionalist uh, professional level of how you work in your personal projects and it'll pay off for you in the long run let's wrap this up as we always do by talking about the patreon if you appreciate what we do and you want to help support the show tell a friend the main way that we continue to grow is through word of mouth and by folks like you talking about the show tell a friend post it on your linkedin page or whatever social media you have tell your network and help us gain some more followers if you want to support the show financially we are on patreon at patreon.com slash self-taught devs pod we've got some goodies for you there every month like a monthly newsletter from either matt or myself a access to a discord server where we can chat about topics or questions or whatever and we've got a monthly episode just for our patreon subscribers and you also get a big thank you at the end of every self-taught devs episode just like these fine folks thank you to scott lundgren steven sheaves camille onoda leo ashcraft Roxy Rodriguez-Becker, Nick Romanishin, Matt Hoadley, Danielle Arnett, Vanessa Vaughn, and Danny McCollins. Thank you all so much for supporting the Self-Taught Devs podcast.